This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by my co-host Afif who is giving us a lot of exposition about the history of the internets and how it has been separated into different systems. Thanks for that Afif. That, no worries, you're welcome Jeremy. It's been a while since we've recorded, you could say there's been a time skip <gasps> there has been it's been like a full week of time a certain and maybe not a week but certainly a vague amount of time a vague undefined and slightly confusing amount of time has passed yes some some time has passed which um enough time for well me to get all swole yep uh, but for the jokes we made in the last podcast to still be relevant. And yes, the that's correct. Still very much ongoing. And everything to still be accurate and everyone just speak as like it's though it's only been a week. Yep. And I definitely can't remember if Rebecca had her big hands the last I don't, episode or not. I don't think she had her big hands in the last episode. Okay. I don't think she was in the last episode. No, I think she, yeah, I think she like laid low after her yeah. brother got zeroed. Which I think is kind of the the key of it, because it's like, hey, we're just going to remove this character from your your site for like twenty minutes, and this is if you're binging it, and then at the end of it, you'll forget what they look like. This is it's just all Falco, like yeah, it's all honestly, it's all Falco with this episode. <laughs> for me, I'm watching him's like, yep, Falco, just bring back more Falco. This, I don't care about this, this show. guy, this guy, yeah. So many questions about Falco. Uh, so we are talking about Cyberpunk Edge Runners, uh, the show that is on Netflix. Um, as we all know, uh, we're talking about season one, episode seven, Stronger, uh, where now an all-star Edge Runner enhanced with more cybernetics, David leads his team into a new mission. An old contact reaches out to him for a big job. Good for him. He seems to have make, got it made. I can't see anything going wrong with this. Another killer synopsis from the Netflix writing team. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean these episodes exactly. are short as well. There's like so yeah, little to write much, about. There's really not much to talk about. Well, not much happened in this one. It's like, hey, we see that David is now an edge runner and doing what Maine does. And it's pretty much exactly the same, but he's getting more chrome. And Faraday's there and like wants to hire him for a job. But also there's a scene with David and Lucy and she tells him his backstory. The end. A lot of exposition in this one. Yes, lots of exposition. And it's, yeah, just lots of uh, talking, talking. Talky, 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 talky. There's a bit of violence at the start. I like that. That was cool. It was, yeah, it was cool action. Um, I love the, there was like the Sandy moment. Um, yep. And then you get to see like the other guy almost go toe to toe with David for a moment. Yeah, there's um, that moment. It's like, oh no, this guy's got maybe a Sandy too, but David's like got extra stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was like th- uh, that scene from batman v superman or yeah which one's uh, no, justice, justice league, league. So. yeah yeah i don't know uh, why yeah, you would have forgotten that <laughs> it was like the one good moment in that movie like because it was a cool moment when like the flash is running and then he sees superman start moving. just watching him yeah yeah that is pretty cool there are i love that in films where you've got someone who's super fast and then so there's another moment in um in age of ultron that is really cool like that. You have Quicksilver like running around in the Avengers thing and he's just kind of looking and then suddenly this bullet goes up in front of him. He's like, huh, that's weird. And then realizes the floor underneath him has just been shot out. And I just <laughs> love that moment where someone looks super fast and just like ignores everyone else around them going, oh wait, I just got played. It's really fun. S- super speed is like one of those impossible to balance superpowers, right? Yeah. Really it's just is. purely up to the whim of the writers as to to when it works or when it doesn't. 
Yeah, and how fast it goes and whether you can actually, like, slow down in time and how it affects other people and, yeah. So I guess with that being said, I do kind of like the the cyberpunk approach, like how they did the Sandy, because they do make attempts to, to limit it and to add, you know, conditions as to this, is you know, your body needs to be able to keep up, you can only use it so many times. and Yeah, it does seem to be like he's got a limited amount of time to activate it before the body gives out. Like he's got like 30 seconds or something of his time. Like, he doesn't really kind of do all that much with it. He, like, does these short little sprints. Yeah, oh, it was like um, like bullet time in that Matrix video game. I yeah. I never played it, like, way back, yeah. Well, there's a, it's very mecha- game mechanics, where it's like, yeah. you're going to have until this little bar goes down to, um, to do whatever it is you need to do. It's, what is it, Dead Eye time in um, Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, same thing. Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, I guess it's like, I know people talk about this a lot with like magic systems, but I guess for all intents and purposes, it's basically the same thing. But like soft magic systems versus hard magic systems where you either like try and explain the rules and and how it works and try to make it make sense or you just kind of hand wave it or not. Yeah. And it feels like this is a little hand waved. just you see him do it and know that he can do it. And that's really all you need. Yeah. I, I guess he only ever really uses it for one task. Like in this, where we see him, he's like running towards this super big ogre dude. And it's like, I'm just going to use it to kill this guy. And that's it. I'm not just going to yeah. function in the Sandy zone all the time. He saves it. Um, and there's a cool moment. I like the animation as well, where they have the whole slow-mo sequence and then they like recap it at the end in real time. I know that was really cool. That's yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> it's like this is what everyone else sees. It's just kind of like a blur, and look, that guy's dead now. It's like, wait, what? That's like super hot. If you've ever played super hot, I haven't, because um, everything's like happening in slow motion. Basically, time only moves while you move. Basically. Oh yes, um, yes. I think either yeah. you told me about this or I saw it on um, on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, so you go through this whole like bullet fight scene where everything's moving super slow and then at the end it just plays the whole level back like in real time and you're like whoa i'm like dodging everything and it's like yeah <laughs> that sounds really fun yeah it's a super I'd, fun game yeah i've got a game called mr autifier where it's like if you're standing still time goes slower and it has this like weird in and out effect because you're just standing still and then you have to jump to dodge out of something and then everything's coming at you really fast and then suddenly it slows down again that feels very Yeah, that is time. like, that's pretty much the same thing, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Thanks back um, to the, I think back it's the in, same thing I think you just said. <laughs> I think it's in VR as well, which I was very keen to try. Oof, that sounds, that sounds yeah. like it'd kill me. I'm wary um, of, um, of any sort of VR FPS, just because I think it'd be too immersive. I mean, that's kind of what we see with uh, Lucy. We get to finally Ugh, see some net running. Way to bring it back, yeah. I don't what how was that as for a segue, right? <laughs> I should do like the Eldritch Lawcast, I'm that good at it. Um, yeah, but specifically Lucy doesn't use like a suit. She doesn't use the chair and stuff. No, she uses a bath. And that seems to be like an old school way of doing it. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Cause this is this is this episode where they talk Although about Although that's what we've seen from Kiwi. Like yeah, Kiwi but- does that as well. I'm wondering whether that's like Kiwi's just her style because she's, you know, edge runner. She doesn't want to be connected to too, too much stuff. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the deep dive aspect. And I think Kiwi, cause Kiwi kind of mentored Lucy as well. We find out later yeah. a little. Yeah. So well, actually it's, it's partly that. I think it is partly that because we do, well, we'll do the spoilers, I guess. We'll talk about um, Lucy giving her, her backstory in her exposition that she used to use a chair like when she was part of the Arasaka children child soldier network, like she had her chair that she was connected to. And ever since then, she doesn't like chairs to, to go net running in. Yeah. um, So I'm wondering if pretty tropey. Well, of course, but I'm wondering if that, that thing about baths that she now has is because Kiwi taught her another way. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to use this instead because it doesn't trigger me. Yeah, probably. I mean, that makes sense. How did you feel? I mean, apart from her being super tropey, how did you feel about her backstory? 
Oh, I mean, it's so like classic, tragic, you know, like, oh, I ran and I didn't look back. I've been running ever gunshots. since. I mean, it's the story of Dark Angel. It's, oh, sorry, it's that's before your time. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Angel was a, was a TV show. Like before Jessica Alba was a thing, she was Dark Angel, just so you know. Right. Okay. This is like pre. This is like pre Buffy. It was. Yeah. It was uh, probably a little bit after Buffy, but it certainly set the scene for a lot of cyberpunk. It was very cyberpunk in feel. Sure. Okay. Like she was super soldier and had like cat DNA and like all this other stuff. But she and a bunch of other kids had broken out of whatever it was. But there had basically been a pulse that destroyed, like an EMP, which destroyed a lot of technology across the world. So this was a society trying to rebuild, but it had a higher level of tech than we're used to. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And a lot of it was about information and like stealing stuff from the man and stuff like that. So it did have that cyberpunk feel to it. Right, 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 right. We, we went off topic very quickly after getting back on topic. No, I'm okay with that. If it's good, I mean, we're talking about Dark Angel, um, I'm fine with it. And everyone Welcome else Welcome to the Dark too. Angel podcast. Yeah, that's oh, all right. If anyone wants to do Dark Angel with me for next series, <laughs> just get in touch. Um, the email address is dndntvpd at gmail.com. Now, you were saying something. Speaking of, of plugs, we are brought to you this week by um, Masters of Alchemy. Sure. <laughs> this is where I'm going to put the plug in. Yeah, we're just going to um, chuck it in now while you Just remember. chuck it in now while I remember. <laughs> this is how I roll. Uh, that is the premier gaming game mastering service in Melbourne. Um, if you have any needs uh, for running games, uh, get in touch. It is masteralchemy.com. Uh, we're very good at what we do. Uh, and you know who else is really good at what he does? Falco. Yeah, well, I was going to say, well, Masters of Alchemy, you don't need a, a fancy net running suit or a fancy chair to that's be true. transported to another world. Ooh, that's a better one. But it doesn't bring it back to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it goes into the... It, it's a good way of bringing it into the ad, but it doesn't actually go back to the episode. And that's what I was doing. Because I want to talk about Falco, because we talked about him briefly uh, in the last couple like of episodes. Every, <laughs> every episode he's kind of shown up in. Yeah. But now we kind of see what what he does for the crew. Besides, okay, you, you know, punch Falco, Maine in the face. Do you think Falco is like the player who's got like tons of scheduling issues and never shows up? Or is it like the NPC that you keep forgetting is with the party and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's here. I reckon he was Pilar's player. Um, and now... Oh, his new like- character. Yeah, he's new, this is his new character, but he does have those scheduling issues. Right. Oh, like he killed him off because it was like, oh, I'm quitting the campaign, guys. Yeah, and he's like, and like oh, oh but, but actually... Yeah, my shift's changed at work. I can come every second week now. Oh, uh, this is getting too real, I think. <laughs> uh, and you, I think I remember, because he punched out Maine in Girl on Fire... And he you did, were wondering, yes. like, he must have, like, a metal hand or something. It's shown here, he has a metal hand. Nice. Just like McCree from Overwatch. Sorry, Cassie. <gasps> really? Who? What? I don't know that <laughs> know that game. All I know is it's voiced by Matt Mercer. And as soon as he says something, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Matt Mercer. <laughs> yeah. I do recognize just Matt Mercer as Matt Mercer now in everything. It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same with Liam O'Brien, unfortunately. But yeah. it's... It's just something, it adds a different level to this. I don't know why. It's just something about the way um, his voice just suddenly becomes this melodious, I'm the driver and everything's cool. He's a little bit Matthew McConaughey in it. Thank you kindly. Appreciate the ride, Falco. Really. Always happy to keep the engine warm. (laughs) Come on. Dependable wheelmen are hard to find. Oh, not sure about that. Counted yourself quite the fan club. Oh, Julio, you mean? Knew that goose was bluffing the moment we met. <laughs> We'd land better talent if we were all vets. Not everyone's like Maine, willing to take a chance on us. I have to admit, when I got the call, I took you for a pushy punk wannabe. Truth is, you were. <laughs> <laughs> but now, well, expect you'll fly higher than Maine ever did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a cool guy. He's a very... Well, at this point, up until this point, he's a very, like, one-dimensional character. And it's not until 
like right at the end, you start to see more. Yeah. Which is an interesting idea. I like it because it does feel this, make this world feel lived in. That we saw him there, but the story wasn't about him at the moment. And now it's just kind of, now it's his part of the story. And now obviously he had other stuff going on as well. And he'll continue on when they're, we're no longer looking at him. Yeah. And it's like, he, he had his whole life, like he's got his whole thing going on. And it's like, that was always there. It was just not like relevant because it was, Again, like his story, right? It wasn't part of yeah. this story. But yeah. it's like, it doesn't feel that forced, I think. It's more just that he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and now he's, his role in the crew is basically just a driver. It seems like. He doesn't really have much to do beyond be the driver. Which does raise some questions, I think. Okay. Be- because we've, well, they've mentioned about like autopilot. Yep. Is that the right? Is that what they called it? I can't remember what they called it specifically. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, that is a very futuristic thing. It's like how valuable is like a manual driver or like a, a human, quote unquote, human driver versus a, an AI or, or computer? Well, uh, haven't we seen with Tesla, like AI kind of okay at driving, <laughs> but <laughs> obviously a human driver is going to have different issues. I think a human driver would be slightly superior to a, to an AI. Because it can just, it can do unpredictable things. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because it's one of those things you would think, oh, like it makes so much sense for this to be automated in a cyberpunk future, you know. Yeah. But we have like a special guy for it because obviously that's more important. Or it kind of well, like we, demonstrates the value of it. We also see with Kiwi that a an automated system can be hacked. And a physical driver, either you pay a ton for software to stop it being hacked, or you just get a physical driver who can do it for you. That's interesting as well. The idea of like low tech being this kind of, you know, kryptonite or or silver bullet kind of answer to things. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that idea that it's just, he just doesn't have that much tech. So what he does is just can't be stopped or can't be registered like i know there's a thing in cyberpunk like the nomads yes um, who i assume just kind of drive around the wastelands i'm not really sure what their deal is beyond i think i think so i mean that the name is fitting and it did feel like that the nomads would um he would be someone like a nomad it's just like i'm good at driving because my entire life is driving yeah yeah but he's also not connected to all the networks and everything of Night City. So he just kind of is good at driving. He's the transporter. So when you need someone driven, you just call up a nomad and they help you out because they're not going to be on the radar of all that stuff and they're not going to be able to get compromised. Well, speaking of low tech... Yeah. um, We can also go talk about one of the other big exposition dumps in this episode, which was... Yes, please. David going back to Ripper Doc, our favorite oh, yeah. NPC. Yeah. Hey Ripper Doc. Um we see because of course we see David earlier on pulling out the uh the arm cannon from mm-hmm. Maine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, we should find he's out just super swole now. He's just got like yeah, all the lines for it all over his body. So yeah, he's got a lot of chrome done. So obviously he's going back to Ripper Doc. Yeah, and we find out that it is like uh, a little bit outdated, the tech um of his arm. Oh, yeah, because it's mains. Yeah. It's like, main uh, <laughs> got it ages ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, that's when we find out how, how just how chromed up he is and everything. Mm. Uh, and it's when we find out about Atom Smasher. Atom Smasher. Must just be special, I guess. Ha! Makes you Atom Smasher 2.0, Joe. Atom who? Christ. All this time and you're still a fucking noob. Atom Smasher, named to know. To some, a hero of the fourth corporate war. To others, a fully bogged boogeyman, a walking nightmare. But to all, a living legend. Ask anyone. What kind of legend? Hmm. The kind that fills graveyards on Arasaka's orders. <laughs> An urban myth, that's all. Now, I ch- the first time I watched this, I tuned out for this whole scene. I was just like, sure, some dude some boogeyman that they're going to talk about. I was like, 
I, I guess this might be important. I don't know. Maybe it's just a warning that you can go like full cyborg and that's bad. How little yeah, did I is, know? I think it is the only time he's mentioned ahead of time. Is he in the games? Oh, there is... I don't know if it's him specifically. There is someone very, very similar to him in 2077, the okay. video game. I do know that because he appeared quite early on. So I only played like the, the start. Right. Because he does seem like... Like the story being that he's someone who managed to hold the cyberpsychosis at bay and just went like full cyborg. So he's just a massive robot, basically. Oh is yeah, that, he's, very, he's right? definitely he's definitely in the video game. Okay. Um, Quickly googling. Yeah. Well, it's because oh, I thought the Edge Runners took place a bit earlier, but it, I guess it's conceivable that he. Yeah, if he's a cyborg, been alive. why would he not still yeah, be he's around? Just, he's just been alive all this time. It's only like a thirty-year gap between the video game and the RPG, which is when I thought Edge Runners took place. Yeah. During the RPG, it feels like it does. Yeah, the time of the red, which is 2030, 2040 or something. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, he's just basically the guy who just got chromed out of the gills. And Ripadox, hey, maybe that's what you're going to be if you're so special and can can handle it all. That's definitely like you drop the hint as a dungeon master about like, oh, yeah, this big, big bad or whatever. And like none of your players remember it. Cause, no. <laughs> you only mentioned it the one time. Like, who? <laughs> that's totally like the the overheard rumor in the tavern or the bar or something and they're just like yeah not listening i'm trying to figure out how my spells work because it's my first day and then they just vastly underestimate him during the fight yeah ah, we'll be fine we'll be fine we can run away we'll never run away from him. we can take this guy he wouldn't throw something against us that was like out of our league that would be foolish but anyway, um, yeah, he's basically Arasaka's like final resort of murdering people. Yeah, because um, everything leads back to Corpos. Yes, yes, he. It does feel like they're building him up as a boss fight because it all it all come, starts to come into like the corpse now. Like we get more talk about Militech, we get to see Arasaka more often. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, they do focus... I know there are other corpos or corpse, but they, they do focus on those two for this. And I think they are the biggest ones as well, just generally. Cool. Yeah, it makes um, sense. And it does make them, like, they're pitted against each other as well. Yeah, that makes... Because I know that there were... in the At some point in the cyberpunk timeline, there's, like, the corpo wars. Yeah. So they're basically, you know, they're basically nations in terms of their, their size and their influence. Yeah. You know, instead of a world war, we have corpo wars. It's interesting that Cyberpunk seems to just have like the two that deal with Night City, like they're the big two. Whereas something yeah. like Shadowrun, which is still very heavily influenced by Cyberpunk, has like eight or nine like global megacorps. And they all have like different things. Like one of them is like, we're just going to study magic and use that as a commercial thing. And another one's like, we just build guns. So they have their own. Um, monopoly on that and like their own little subdivisions but there's not too much of a clash between them on a commercial front it's more like that guy's really good at building things so let's steal him to work for us instead and he can build things for us but it's not like one gun company stealing from another gun company yeah so I just find that interesting that in this, it's like two megacorps who just kind of do everything, whereas the other ones that I've seen are all sort of subdivided. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it is just, again, you know, because it is a big world with a lot of stuff in it. It's yeah. We just don't want to show too much, you know. We'll just oh, okay. keep it simple, yeah. That makes sense. Though. At least that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's the vibe that I got. I mean, it makes sense in, in Night City, since this is the only city we really see. It's like, yeah, there would only be kind of two companies that run the place. It's like, for Australia, where we only have really two media outlets. Yeah, and like every, you know, democratic voting system, there's only two parties, really. That's right. And both are pretty shit, but there's only two. Yeah. Um, anyway, the reason we bring it up is basically when Faraday shows back up... Um, He's got a job from Militech. 
that, yes, that he wants um, David and his crew to take over the job that, that Maine used to run for him, basically the Talaka gig. Uh, and I think, yep. yeah, he's trying to get David to talk Lucy so, back into the game as well, because Lucy's out now. Yeah, so this is why I like, I find, because this is episode seven? Episode seven, out of, yeah. Out of, out 10, of ten, and it, yeah. it feels like this is like the main quote unquote main story, but it feels yeah. like like late, and I find this like latter half of the season to be a little bit rushed. Is Super that just rushed. Me? No, yeah. no, it needs another two episodes, and no, it feels no. like a little bit messy. Yes, I think it feels um, very messy with the pacing and stuff compared to like the start, where it's like it had like each episode felt like it it knew what it was trying to do, basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first four, really, were kind of setting up the scene. And, like, yeah. building the, the connection between them. Um, and it's really only, like, the last... Well, five and six, they kind of start the, the Tanaka job, like, properly. And then suddenly everything goes wrong, and suddenly we've got four episodes to wrap it up and, like, get into all this deep stuff. Like, oh, by the way, Lucy's, like, a famous netrunner who can like do everything and has superpowers yeah so oh huh okay Uh, and i don't think the time skip helped with this either yeah i want to talk about this time skip because i did find it confusing yeah like i felt that like it'd been a couple of years do you think that's yeah incorrect at first you think it's like a long a longish period of time because david's gotten so swole yeah um and he's like he's head of the crew now and everything it's like and they're very much like settled into this routine right it's like very much very much they've moved on it's new beginnings um you see at one point like you know david's drinking a beer and it's like oh he can drink beer now he's a man like i did see that at one point he was drinking with a straw though yeah <laughs> so i don't know about well, that. yeah yeah um but then it's like there's still very much the fallout and aftermath of of the previous episodes essentially they're still kind yeah. of like you would think the tanaka thing would would have like died down at this point or it's like oh like the opportunity's gone yeah it's like it can't be like six months or something it's got to be a while for him to get that swole and even it can't be much longer than a year or two because the tanaka stuff is still recent memory for everyone yeah that's the thing right yeah it's a little bit iffy um, yeah, it's confusing. Okay, but I want to talk about time skips in role-playing games and how you oh, feel okay. about yep. them. Um, yep. Have you used one? Um, I often have, like, downtime periods, which yeah. is essentially like a time skip. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, oh, we finished this story arc, you're in this city for, like, a week, you know, in the following week afterwards, and it's a chance for the players to, like, oh, his. You know, we'll do it, like, in between sessions and stuff. Um, do, like, the shopping, and it's like, okay, what do you want to spend the, the money you've just earned and things like that, and, like, where do you want to go from here? See, I wouldn't say there's a time skip. I see that as more as a montage. Right. Sure, sure, sure. Like, um, to me, I have had a time skip in one of my games where it was... Um, this was when I'd had quite a large group of about eight players and was going down to a group of five, I think, after that. And then it went down to four and three. But the idea was that they'd beaten the big villain that they brought them all together. And now it's like, okay, now there's five years where you kind of all go your separate ways. What do you do in that time? And then why do you come back together? And like, I asked them to, to fill in what they did. But the point was there'd been five years and the world had moved on since then. So things had definitely changed. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And a lot okay. of that was just, hey, we've got some money, so let's build a keep. I'm like, great, Is that, it, we'll save some so, time. So, like, if the players go for, like, five years and come back, do they... Is that just... All right, I think to myself what I've been doing for five years, and then, you know, like, in character, I'll explain it to the others? Or is it, like... I think it depends on the game. Like, you could have... As long as you know what happens, you can tell people or not. But the point is that you come back after those five years and now you have either changed or remained the same, but you have yep. a, a thing for it. I find it really interesting. The um, 
the traditional Dragonlance novels actually started with a time skip. Now, this is very weird because it was essentially just going, hey, these are characters you've never heard from before, but we're going to act as though you do know them and they're coming back after a year or after five years or something out in the wilderness. And I just thought that was a really cool, cool way of doing it. It's like that you yeah, I think, start with that idea of, well, we just haven't seen them for this little period and you all know each other already. I think time skips are a really interesting idea, mm. especially if you are, I know it's not really the point of a time skip, but if you did have like an in-universe mechanic for like time travel, essentially, yeah, you know, um, then that's a good way to, to illustrate. It's, it, it can be a really impactful thing, right? It's like they go down into a dungeon, they come out and it's like, they think they've been gone for a day, but it's actually been like a month. And it's like, look at all the stuff that's changed. Um, and that can be like a really cool moment. Well, there is that element in the Feywild in D&D. Yeah. That you can have that potential for, while you think you've been gone for three months, you've only been gone for 20 seconds. It's the it's the Interstellar thing. <clears throat> yeah. Spoilers for Interstellar. Why? What's Interstellar? Is this a bit? Okay. <laughs> Can't Are tell. Are we talking about Interstellar on this podcast? I don't feel like, uh, feel like we have. We, I, I was on Thor and Love and Thunder, so I probably know about it from that. Um, sure. No, I think time skips are really interesting. Like, they're a good DM tool, but I think they're also something you don't really need that much in D&D. Like, it does, if it's something yeah, like it, that, you it, just go... Oh, I guess it could be at the end of a campaign. Like, if you're running modules or just that week by week adventure. It's like, okay, cool. You finished that dungeon. When we come back together next week, it's going to have been a month. And now you've got a new job and you're out of money because you spent it all from the last job. Yeah. Or like as an epilogue, even to, yeah, if you finish. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few ways to do that. Interesting. Sure. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Uh, what I did want to talk about as well, I say as though we haven't already talked about a whole bunch of things I want to talk about, is just that opening action sequence too, uh, in regards to dungeons. Speaking of dungeons, it, it's okay. this windy little like maze of a segue that I do. <laughs> it's like jumping forward and back like a time skip. Uh, but the way they infiltrate, this is when they go into like rescue some girl. And Kiwi's like targeting all of the the people inside and like shorting them out, and then they just kind of start blowing them away. And they've got Julio with them as well. Ah, uh, Julio. Well, poor Julio. Um, that each of the elements there seems to have a thing that each of them would be good at, and it made me really think yes. about dungeon design. Yeah. And I just thought that was like a really cool way of doing it. It's like, okay, so you've got all these people that can be taken out with Kiwi stuff. And then you've got people who can easily be shot down. So you've got Rebecca's stuff. You've got a big guy that um, you need David's thing for. And then you've got a trap, which Julio needs to tr- trigger. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it was like that reminded me of my campaign where there's like, they're traveling across a big desert and there's essentially, you know, like very Dune-esque kind of sandworms and stuff. And it's yeah. like, the natives here, they, they tell them, um, like, oh, we always bring a decoy camel with us. So if, if something happens, <laughs> we'll just stand still and just, like, slap the decoy camel, let it run. Oh, my God. Um, That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Julio. Julio I'm going to call him Julio because it doesn't Julia. matter. He's dead. Uh, so he's the decoy camel. Yeah, he's the decoy camel. Yeah. Um, the sacrificial camel. I know. I liked him because it felt like this is what David could have been. Right, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of that in this episode. A lot of yeah. like, look at, look at where he's come, and a lot of parallels to the beginning and stuff like that. Yeah, which is, I think, what you need after a time skip. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not subtle. Um, no, but it's it's important. <laughs> yeah, and it's this like, is so subtle. <laughs> um, stuff like his apartment as well. They show, and it's like this is where he's living now. I figured that was Lucy's apartment. No, because we've had seen it... Lucy's apartment. They well, all had I... the same. Like, you know, cookie cutter. Yeah. But for some reason, I just assumed that Lucy was the one with the money. Oh. Yeah. Well, because we saw Lucio's apartment. Lucy's... Lucio. Lucio. <laughs> Lucy, and Hul- <laughs> Lucy and Julio mixed up. I am Lucio. <laughs> um, you see Lucy's apartment and it just looks yeah. like this little... Bo- but she had the view of the space um, launch. Right. So but it was essentially the be, same yeah. apartment. 
Yeah. As, so, yeah. But I think this is their apartment. And that's the other thing. that They have yeah. a nice apartment. Yeah. It's really like, nice. It's like sterile as fuck. But it's like this nice apartment. And I just like... Which they just decide to stand around naked all the time. Which I think is that's the most ridiculous thing about this. Like every time they're in their apartment, they're just like, yeah, I just stand naked, I guess. I, I don't know what else to do. Um, like, no, this is what no you do when you're wealthy. Though. No, no cyberdong. Cybermuff, yeah. but no cyberdong. It's like he gets everything chromed up, but apparently apparently even for Pilar that was too far, right? To- yeah, even Pilar's like, no, you don't get your dog you don't get your dicks cyber fucked. Cyberfucked. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, um, but yeah, I just kind of assumed it was Lucy's apartment for some reason and he just lived there. I feel because there's always like this power imbalance between the two of them that I got. And that's just a, a weird thing that yeah, I sensed. Yeah. So he was like the the sidekick to her smarterness. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, I, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's still trying to get her in, back in. We get the whole thing but she's also got her own secret yep this is when we see uh vigilante lucy yeah with the red eyes the red glowing eyes of demonness mm-hmm. um basically just hunting down net runners who have been going through and realizing that someone altered tanaka's data uh and yeah and I- that was like oh mm-hmm. you go you go i was gonna say the way it's shot it makes it look like, oh my god, Lucy's gone crazy and she's just fucking murdering people. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, this is like that's cool. Exactly what I thought. That's not exactly what I thought as well. What that she'd gone crazy? Was, yeah, I think that was one of the things I kind of zoned out a bit on as well. And I was like, what's is Lucy bad? Like, what's going on? You know? No, well, that's the way it's shot. But when you listen to it and realize what she's done, and like kind of look at all the things they're saying, you're like. Yeah, it's pretty clear that she's just like kind of cleaning up her tracks and making sure no one finds them. Particularly after she's just gone, hey, Arasaka's probably fucking looking for me and I really don't want to be on their radar anymore. It's like, yeah, she's probably going to kill anyone who comes after her. It's like, that's that's a good thing. Like, tell David, he can help you. Yeah. Um, and they're still being super coy about David and like the data they, they had on David for... For Arasaka and with Tanaka and everything. Even though it is like, I don't know, I feel like that's one that they kind of drew out a little too long, trying to keep the mystique about it, and it just becomes a little confusing. And it just doesn't matter in the end, anyway. Yeah, it's like we we know, like, just just confirm it for us, you know, like, just hurry up and get this. Stop trying to make it like a big thing, yeah. I think this is the problem with, like, chosen one plots. Yes. So David, (laughs) they have to make that as well. Yeah, that we have to make David special. He's special, you know. And they're like frantically trying to jam that storyline in here when it doesn't really matter at all. Yeah, it's like we get it. Yeah. That's that's my thoughts on it. It's it's not Yeah. Um yeah, I that's kind of it, honestly. I think that's yeah. all I had. Re- oh no, no sorry, I had one more thing to talk about. Uh and that's Becca. Uh, Rebecca. Right. Because I think this is where Rebecca kind of steps up as a character as well, now that she's replacing Pilar. Yeah, because this is the first we see of her since... Well, since Pilar died. Yeah. Um, This is where we see her, like, doing... Going basically through and just slaughtering people on the job. And she's got the massive new hands and flirting with or trying to flirt with David and it's so very clear that she's into him. You ever seen David dance? It's a riot. Sounds preem. I think I'm gonna bounce. <gasps> I'm gotta stop by docs. Seriously again? Then tell that bastard you desperately need a dance chip! We'll the laser do. pop hip grind! See ya. Hey! I ain't good at playing just friends! Considered shaking up your approach? Yeah, how you figure. Instead of hot and loud, I'd try cold, distant, and nerdy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Um, it's a nice way of um, doing the segues as well. Because when Kiwi's all like, hey, why don't you try a different tactic? And she's like, what do you mean? Hot doesn't work? Maybe just cool and nerdy would work. And it cuts um, cuts to Lucy in the bathtub. Yeah. Like in this bathtub full of ice. And you're like, yeah, gee, I wonder who she's talking about. 
again, it's it's really not subtle. And no, it's not subtle. It's like, how does David not figure this out? <laughs> Which is not the thing is, it's not a bad thing, right? And like, no. that's you got to do that as well when you're DMing. Sometimes it's like you want it to be all like a secret that they discover, but it's like sometimes your players just aren't going to pick up on stuff. Like, you, just, you need to be obvious that like this is a bad guy or that this is important. Drop um, drop something on their head like an anvil. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just like that. I felt that was a lot more anime than a lot of the other stuff we've seen uh, in this episode. Like obviously the gore and things were very anime, but having the the little the short girl who's like super active be into like the brooding guy, that's very anime feel to me. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. As a as an expert in anime, which we all know yep. I am. Uh, that was my, my thing. An expert in brooding. Yep. I'm super good at brooding. We know this. I just sit on like tall buildings and stare out of the city at night. Um, oh, sorry. I had another thing here. Because um, I do love one of my favorite things with the whole cyberpunk stuff is all the slang that they use. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. We're snarfing say... it. We're snarfing. Yeah. Their, um, snarf. Edding. We've got the eddies. Um, they do use the word noob in this episode. which I They do. I love that. that. I can't remember if they've used that previously. They haven't, no. They usually call um, people Tume. Uh, so, but Noob is a noob one. A noob one? And a I think Julio one. at one point went like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Julio was a gold mine for stuff like that. We barely knew you, Julio. You added so much to this show, though. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the slang as well. Because you yeah. love surprising me with stuff. I want to surprise you. Oh, wow. I hope it's a supercut of all the slang. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I know, because um, I edit I've this, been... so I know I haven't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. You got me. Because um, uh, I've been reading up on the Cyberpunk RPG lately. Oh, wow. Here and there. Yeah. Uh, to be, quote unquote, informed. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And there's like a whole kind of section about some of the slang that they use. Ooh, like there's a little so thought, glossary type yeah. Um, thing that you, yeah, fun. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun if I threw some slang at you and you okay. told me what you thought it meant. Oh, uh, I love this idea. Um, yeah. Well, to start off, we'll not do that uh, because tune, which you've mentioned before, is mm-hmm. actually short for something else. Could you Ooh, perhaps okay. guess? Uh, mushroom. Short it's short for mushroom because you're <laughs> kept in the dark and fed shit. Okay, it's short for either chumba or chumbada. Oh, well, I was way off. Yeah. So that's just a, that's, that's a warm up. We don't care. What, what's a tumor? Okay. Uh, it says Neo Afro uh, American slang for friend or family member. That is uh, words I did not know. Yeah. Chumba. Uh, uh, in a similar vein, what about Choo Too? Choo Too. Uh, You're welcome to ask for spelling or anything like that. No, no, no. I feel that I I know this one. I feel that this is going to be a Pokemon that's managed to survive into the um, the cyberpunk era. Am I right? Uh, Yeah, Pikachu. Uh, I chew too. I chew too. Uh, It's street slang. It's spelt. It's chew and then like a little, like chew squared, like the little two up top. Oh, okay. Uh, and street so slang not- for alcohol as used in vehicle power plants. Uh, so most of the vehicles in the time of the red are fueled by an advanced form of alcohol. That's uh, huh. Chew too. Okay. Someone really thought about that one. Uh, all right. This one's an easy one. I feel okay, like. good. Good. <laughs> uh, dwarfs. Dwarfs. Uh, yep. Endorphins. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Synthetic endorphins, um, a design oh, so drug like drugs. that increases yeah. healing powers. Yep. So like meth, being methamphetamines. Uh, limits fatigue, produces a rush like a second wind. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. What about, ooh, uh, Go Leo. Go Leo. Yep. Leo as in like the cat. These are two Leo. words. Okay. Two separate words. Uh, so what does go it mean Leo. to go Leo? Uh, become a police officer. Ooh. Leo is an acronym. Oh. Well, I'm still going with become a police officer because <laughs> Leo is generally law enforcement officer. Okay. Uh, it stands for low earth orbit. Oh, so, the other Leo. Visit. Yeah. 
if you go right to the right station. i forgot i forgot the obsession with space and the moon yeah right, that's i'll give moon. you a, a fun one now oh those um, weren't fun okay <laughs> uh what is a main line um a spinal cord Ooh, not quite. Is, is it well, to do with the body uh it's a part of you um a heart uh mainline is a term for your partner in a serious long-term relationship oh yeah that's not a spinal cord (laughs) is it though you know in a way well you know what once um it was only after the uh, david met met lucy that he grew a backbone so i guess that counts all right, and the last one I've got for you okay. is stuff it. Uh, shut up. Uh, it's one word, stuff it. Oh, uh, it's a type of snack. Uh, it's to have sex. That doesn't make... I guess that makes and then sense. It says, and then it says also to forget about something. That makes more sense. I feel like a, a pretty different things, though. Well, it's like fuck it. You it's like what? fucking it makes is, yeah, is having right. sex and then stuff fucking it. it is also forget it. Ah, stuff it. Yeah. Though so that's an odd way of connecting them. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. You and know there's what? some cool stuff here about, uh, it's like, uh, like Ronin or Samurai is what they call like certain types of, of mercenaries and assassins. I thought they were called them solos. Uh, Ronins are like freelance assassins and then Samurai are like corporate assassins, apparently. Oh, okay. Because of the, the Japanese element. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Very well done, Afi. Thank you. You did well, I thought. Yeah, I think I got like one. <laughs> one out of six. That's usually about my record in most things. I like how one of the, the street slang terms is listed. It just says keyboard and it's like street slang for a computer interface with manual keys. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that far off future time where people use keyboards. If only. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, Unless you've got any other things to to drop on me out of the blue. Uh, Player character? Yeah, that's what I was about to suggest. Um, It's time for our segment uh, to PC or NPC. Um, Do you want to go first? I think I shall. I think I shall. I think I know who you're going to pick. So I want to. I want to go first and get mine out of the way. Because it's not Julio. oh, okay, then I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick Rebecca, uh, which is okay. kind of kind of why I brought her up earlier because I wanted to say some of the reasons I was going to pick her. But I would definitely make her a player character. Um, she's very much that halfling barbarian who loves big weapons. Uh, and just loves to smash things uh but that idea of being super into another player character or another party member at least but having it being unrequited gives just that element of depth to it and like as this episode in particular she does have that backstory of hey my brother died and now i've kind of got his hands and i'm doing the stuff he used to do and i've got all these different guns and i just like that sort of personality um as a character in my games so yeah, that's the that's who I'd pick. Yeah, um, how do you feel about the whole? At least with Five E, like the small races getting kind of gimped a little with like the the two handed weapons and stuff. Like, I feel that that's a rot uh, and unfair. If I want to play a gnome that carries a sword that's three times his size, that is perfectly anime and um, Final Fantasy and acceptable, in my opinion. So that's the kind of hand wavy homebrew stuff that I just do away yeah. with if I was running uh, a game. Excuse me, DM. Because it looks cool. Yes. Yeah. Excuse uh, yes. me, DM. This is very anime, so I would <laughs> like to do it. <laughs> it's very anime, so I'd like to do it. The number of times I'm like, "Hey, describe how you kill someone." They're just like, "I run forward and I've got my arms back and my sword just trailing along the ground as I whip it up, and they just stand there for a moment before falling apart." It's like, "Yeah, of course you do." <laughs> of course. Okay, and what about yourself? Um, I thought Julio was too obvious and I thought you would pick him, to be honest. That's fair. Um, Julio was going to be my second pick, uh, but he just wasn't interesting enough. He was too much of a decoy camel. True. Uh, well, Julio is also my second pick. I think he's everyone's second pick. Yeah. Um, mine is a very briefly mentioned character, Wakako. 
Oh yes, I remember Wakako. I completely forgot her on the second. On the first uh, who is another fixer? Yeah. Um, and I think adds uh, is a, a subtle way of adding a bit more like mystique and mystery to the world, uh, but also in a way is like, hey, this is definitely a thing you can follow up on. Um, you know, like the door is there. You know, and maybe mm. you don't go through it now, but it's like it's important that it's there. And I think also to show that not all fixes are Faraday. Exactly as well. Um, the contrast. And I think next episode, they do, they have like a shot where there's like a bunch of fixes yeah. on screen. And I think at that point, you actually do get a glimpse of what Wakako looks like. Yeah. Well, uh, like uh, Easter egg. if you want to hear that, you'll have to tune in next week. Ooh, uh, that they will. You, you'll have to follow us wherever podcasts are found, but subscribing on Spotify or Podbean or Apple Podcasts is usually the best way. You can leave ratings and reviews there as well, which we'd appreciate so you can get out to more listeners. Uh, or you can get in touch with us on, um, well, just Instagram, basically, which is at DNDNTVPOD. Uh, you could theoretically use Twitter, but honestly, by the time this comes out, Twitter may have been shut down or removed from the app store. So I have no idea what's going to happen. And I am on Hive, but you've got to find me there yourself because I'm not giving out my personal address and I can't figure out a way to do the the actual podcast account yet. But there are some ways of getting in touch with us. <laughs> so glad we noticed that. As I said before, the email address is dndntvpod at gmail.com. Uh, Afif, you're not anywhere online. You should come on Hive though. It's really deserted right now. So no one will find you. <sighs> Well, the, the old net is due to be hacked soon by that guy whose name I forgot to write down. Oh, he like creator of bot. bots or something. Yeah, some weird, like, cyber deity. Yeah, I don't... I, we didn't talk about, like, the old net at all, did we? Do we need to talk about I it forgot. now real quickly? Or are we not going to care? It doesn't it really just, matter, It does did it? remind me of... They did it in Blade Runner as well, where they talked about, yeah. like, a big kind of, like, data crash. They called yeah. it the blackout in that, Yeah. I do like it as a source for adventures where it's like, Hey, you've got to send your little team into like this very dangerous area to get all information and then just get out again. And it's so far above your level that you just got to hope to survive. I thought that was cool. I think it's also cool as like, uh, cause it's very, it's a very fantasy trope that like, Oh, here's, you know, ruins left behind by an ancient civilization that's been yeah. forgotten. And it, this is like the digital kind of equivalent of that. It's like his data that was lost. That totally worked. Cause it's like, basically their grandparents time but technology moves so fast that it is like ancient ruins yeah yeah uh so yeah that's hey can we pick the old net instead of the other player characters oh anyway uh that's pretty much it i probably say a couple of other things um at the end of the episode um i've already told us that we who we're brought to by that was a seamless segue that i put in earlier in the episode um so i'll just sign off by saying hey be kind to yourselves, stay safe out there, uh, Wesley crush it, and may all your hits be crits.